Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. What I find somewhat disappointing is that about 90% or so of our canonized saints are religious, priests, nuns, or bishops. Very few of our canonized saints are married couples. Now, when I think of sanctity or heroic virtue, immediately I think of my parents. More to it, parents in general. Parents have that selfless love to give to their children. There's that demand upon parents by their children. When I see the demands that each spouse places on the other, the amount of selflessness that is called upon by each spouse, that's what I would call sanctity and heroic virtue. Now, the scripture readings are perfect for that. The first reading in the gospel, we hear about the importance of marriage. If you look at the writings of St. John Paul II, he taught that marriage was every bit of vocation as priesthood was. In the sacrament of marriage, man and woman are brought together for God's purpose and God's plan. Now turn to the first reading. Notice how it begins. It says, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a suitable partner. Now remember, We are all made in the image and likeness of God. And so it begs the question, is God alone? No. God is a community of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a community of love. They are never separated. And so God sees Adam all alone, and he knows immediately that's not good. Just like God, all three persons are never singly alone. They are always together. That's what makes them a community of love. And so, God sets out to make a suitable partner for Adam. First, he creates the animals to be maybe or possibly suitable companions. And so, he makes all these animals. And Adam then categorizes them. He names all the animals. But God concludes that these animals are not suitable partners for Adam. Why? Well, as human beings, we can't relate to animals in any level, an intellectual level, a social level, or an emotional level. Notice what God does next. It says, So the Lord God cast a deep sleep on the man, and while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed it up in the place with the flesh. The Lord God then built up into a woman from the rib. And so, The first thing that we can take from this, and this is important, this action by God stresses that the basis for marriage is grounded in partnership. Both the man and the woman are equal in their marriage. More to it, it stresses that marriage is a part of God's plan and purpose. A married couple is drawn together 
precisely for the purpose to accomplish God's plan. Now, St. Paul and Jesus Christ saw this. In many of the Gospels and Paul's writings, they talked about how Christian marriage has a precisely Christian purpose. Furthermore, Christian marriage best symbolizes, or you could say mirrors, the relationship or the marriage between Christ and his church. Throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus referring to himself as the groom. We, the church, are the bride. And as the groom, Jesus gives his love and his very life to the church. We, as the church, our response is we give our love back to God. And we offer our lives to Christ by living by his teachings. St. Paul repeatedly wrote in many of his epistles that love and marriage between a husband and a wife best mirrors the love and the marriage between Christ and his church. And so, it begs some questions. Was Christ's love for the church joyful? Absolutely. Jesus took great delight in preaching, teaching, working miracles, just being with his apostles. So too in a marriage, there's a sense of joy, genuine joy, not a sense of giddiness, no, but genuine joy that each spouse takes in the presence of the other. Was Christ's love for his church genuine? Yes, very much so, to the extent that Jesus Christ challenges us as a church to grow in faith and morals, to deepen our relationship with Christ. Well, the same thing happens in marriage. Love must be genuine between husband and wife, to the extent that they challenge each other to a deeper love and a greater commitment through their life together. Did Jesus suffer for the church? Absolutely. His mission reached its culmination when he mounted the cross, and then the entire world saw the greatest act of self-sacrificing love. Well, the same thing holds true in marriage. There is sacrifice. Each spouse sacrifices for the other. You could say that's the price of love. Now, we have to understand there is no such thing as meaningless suffering. But essentially, each spouse sacrifices for the other, but they do that motivated by love and love alone. So you say to yourself, okay, I get it. I see how the relationship of Jesus Christ and his church is best mirrored in the marriage between husband and wife. But how does the marriage of husband and wife accomplish God's plan and purpose? Well, I'll offer you three different ways. Marriage accomplishes God's plan in this world because it fosters love, life, and holiness. First, love. The marriage between Christ and his church is based upon love and genuine love. So it is also with a husband and a wife. The husband and the wife, they gaze upon each other. And each says to the other, My life is about you. My life is about the love I give you and the love I receive from you. And that love spills over. It spills over and touches all the people in their life. Their children, their relatives, their friends. More to it, the love between a husband and a wife manifests itself. It reveals itself in their actions and how they live out that love. I'll give you some examples. A husband maybe takes on a second job in order to pay for Christmas presents. Or a wife 
She stays awake all night long, tending to a sick child, so that her husband can get some sleep, knowing that her husband has to get up very early in the morning in order to go to work. Well, their children learn love from their parents. They watch very carefully how their parents express love for each other, as well as love for them as kids. And so children learn how to love from their parents. Life. Just as the marriage of Christ and its church produce life, in our case, eternal life, so too does it happen in the marriage between husband and wife. A husband and wife, whether they're blessed with the ability to have children or are blessed with the gift of adoption, a husband and wife realizing the presence of God in their life, that they are the authors of life. They recognize and are always keenly aware of how awesome this gift of life is given to them by God. Therefore, they always reverence and cherish all the life within their family. Holiness. Just as Jesus makes holy our church for us, each and every one of us, so too with a husband and wife. They make one another holy. Each spouse encourages, motivates, maybe even challenges the other always to grow in their faith. More to it, a husband and a wife, they recognize their roles as the primary educators of their children in matters of faith and morals. And in doing so, both the husband and the wife work to create what John Paul II always talked about, the Ecclesia Doministica, the domestic church within the family. And so, today we are reminded of how great a gift marriage is for us as a church and for our society. Marriage contains within it a reality that is deeply blessed by God and is a reflection of God's love toward each and every one of us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.